In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's back-to-back. It's practice. We've had day three, and I'm here with Ian Wright, Wright, Wright. Ian, how are you, sir? Good, Paul. Good. Sorry we couldn't catch up uh, late yesterday. I was driving back from the great city of Indianapolis. So I am back here in Chicago. The you know Big Ten picketers are starting to arrive for some college football, and we got the Browns football going on. It's almost like things are back to normal. Well, let me ask you straight away. Can you see Big Ten football happening? Is Sir Yacht going to be correct against all the doubters? I have no idea if the yacht guy or whoever he is has any valid sources. I, I, I don't know the person personally. I don't know who he knows. The people that I know don't seem to think it's a realistic option. However, we've seen people get pressured into making changes to their decisions. So I do know that a few of the families of some of the players are heading out here to the wonderful city of Rosemont, Illinois, which is about five minutes from my house. So I will say this about the Big Ten office. Normally, when you drive by 294, you can look into the building quite easily and see the offices and the conference rooms. About the last week and a half, they've had the blinds pulled and you can't see in. So they've kind of blacked out the building. So I don't know if that just means that, you know, they're trying to have deep secret meetings or what's going on, but you definitely have not been able to see into the building for about the last week and a half. There we go, guys. There's a world exclusive for you. Uh, Ian, do you personally think the Big Ten's going to happen? I have to set my bias aside and say it is not going to happen, but I also am convinced that if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 do not play, then the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 will also not play. I don't think you can have a situation where two out of the five conferences play and three do. I guess the analogy I would put to that would be if you had five high schools in one city and two of them didn't have active school years and three did, all the students at those schools would lose a year of development. You know, this would impact draft status. This would impact financials. This would impact a lot of things. So I don't think the NCAA, who prides themselves on having a balanced playing field, can have 40% of the Power 5 conferences not play and 60% play. I don't see how that continues to have the balance that they're looking for. So I think it's either the Big Ten and Pac-12 set the standard and the other three are playing, or they're going to have to come back and play. My lean, they're not playing. Excellent. All right. Well, look, mate, thanks very much. We are a Browns podcast, and let's go straight into the Browns. I think the biggest news to start off with is Mac Wilson. We are talking potentially a season-ending career injury. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I wouldn't say career. Uh, it would definitely season-ending. Oh, sorry. Season. Season. Yes. I got a bit excited there with the uh, everything. I got a bit uh, carried away. Look forward to his career. Um, yeah. And, and let, let me stress, I'm upset about it. I am upset about it, so I don't think I'm happy about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's disappointing because Mac Wilson was one of those guys where we really wanted to see what he could do going into year two. 
Um, I think he has a lot of upside. I don't. I think we need to remind ourselves that he was a fifth round pick. So I think his, you know, his grading last year kind of correlated with a linebacker selected in the fifth round who got forced into a lot of playing time. But there's no doubt the guy has talent. And it kind of looked ugly when he went down with that knee injury. So, you know, most of your medical doctors out there and the few people I talk to that are smarter than me in terms of medicine, the thing with a hyperextension is it's really hard to know in the moment how the body's going to respond. You're going to get some bruising. You're going to get some swelling in the next days to come. So they're probably going to need about three to five days to really assess where his knee is at, whether or not he's going to have to go on kind of a six to eight week recoup, or he's just going to have to get some sort of a surgery that's going to take him out for the season. But definitely unfortunate, um, especially coming off the heels of the, you know, the issue with how he tackled Nick Chubb. You like to see the aggressiveness. I don't have a problem with that. Um, you got to be smarter, but at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not going to follow the guy who's trying to play. You know, I know it's practice, so stay off it on that one, but you know, the guy's playing with a passion, playing with an intensity, something a bronze linebacker hasn't done in quite a while. It was unfortunate. I really, like you, I wanted to see what he was going to do this year, but at the end of the day, you know, we need him healthy. We need him out there if we're ever going to realize his full potential. Yeah, and I think um, you could sprain your ankle coming off an airplane. I did it last year, you know, like just because you are playing football, you know, these injuries can happen at, at any time in your life. You know, anything you put a bit of pressure on your legs, it wasn't necessary because he was going in too aggressively. It could have just been a uh, one of these things that happened. But um Let's carry on talking about the linebacker room. Bit of interesting. I, I did some research and Mida is playing now with the seconds. He was even playing with the seconds when Mac was on the field. So uh, he's a name to keep an eye on because he seems to be climbing up the draft chart. Well, you know what's funny is, is and I have to put Browns fans in check. You said meter, so I think there's probably a lot of Browns fans out oh, there. Oh, yeah, sorry. That are, hold on, um, that are excited that the, the, the Parma Pierogi Prince of Parma, as Joe Thomas called him. Jamie Meter's coming back, but I think you mean Montreux Meander. So we'll clarify that for all of the avid Browns fans out there. Montreux Meander, not Jamie Meter. As much as we do love Jamie Meter and his blocked field goal against the Chargers to get Hugh Jackson his only win in 2016, Montreux Meander. It made my Christmas, that did. Oh, absolutely. That was a Christmas Eve delight. Um, no, but I definitely did see that they're moving him in there. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Joe Woods's defense. We're going to run these unique schemes where you could see four safeties on the field, three safeties on the field. And Montreal Meander's background is as a safety. He's hung around the team now for a couple of years. You know, it's one of those things where if they can find a role for him, if he maybe can carry his weight a little bit more, you could definitely see him in kind of that star robber linebacker role. Uh, that kind of duels as a safety cover and tight ends. It's a great observation yeah. by you, Mr. Paul. Well, thanks very much. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the, the linebacker room. Who can who can you see calling the um, the mic or the uh, you know calling it? Will it be uh, is it Goodson and um, BJ yeah. Goodson? Is it? Yeah, BJ Goodson. Um, one of the guys I I really I listen. We we know this, and you know, for all those people out there saying that. To your point earlier, I want to reiterate, like you can get injured at any point. I think people can realize that. Go watch the Gerald McCoy video in a very harmless thing. He tears a quad. So it's one of those ones where it can happen. 
But there was a guy last year, and I'm, I'm sure Browns fans know where I'm going with this one. There was a guy last year who we wanted to see more. He was making some plays. Keep your eyes on Willie Harvey. Willie Harvey was a guy, he was on the practice team last year. They really liked what they saw out of him. And, you know, obviously with Mac Wilson going down, hey, next man up, the Bill Belichick, you know, motto. We got to step up. We have to fill the role. I want to see what Willie Harvey can do. And friend of the program, Solomon Ajayi. This is, these are the opportunities for the undrafted free agent Paul Brown specials to step in and show what they can do. Well, well we're talking about friends of the show, and let's go into a negative set, set now because um, our friend, um, I have even forgot his name, the defensive Mr. end. Mr. George Opina. <laughs> Opina, he didn't make it. He got released yesterday for a tricep injury. Well, and that's crazy because the guy is built like a brick shithouse, so I don't know how the hell he even hurt his tricep. <laughs> yeah, so, my head. yeah, so uh, that was bad to see, you know, and uh, who knows what can happen in the NFL. He was our first undrafted free agent on of the year. Scottish Hammer made it. Is he going to come back? Let's find out and see. Let's yeah. hopefully we can get a 100% record of undrafted free agents um, coming on the show and being a success. Hey, I'm all for it. But yeah, to, to answer your question, though, Paul, middle linebacker right now, I think now goes to... I don't, I just, I don't know if they're going to put BJ Goodson. I think they're going to keep him out as a Sam. I would look at Willie Harvey. I would look at Jacob Phillips, the rookie out of LSU. I think he's going to get some time. And then Solomon Ajayi. I think if I remember, if I remember right when we talked to him, they mentioned that kind of mic thing to him. They also could move him out to the weak side, um, depending on what his size is. He's a rusher. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to either be a Sam or a Will. Yeah, okay. And there's one other linebacker I'm sure we're forgetting about um, that we that had potential. Um, hey, Davis. I've seen a lot of him actually. Um, yeah. I don't know a lot of, and I don't know a lot about him actually. So uh, we picked him up last him? year. Um, he uh, he was cut by, I believe, the Giants. Uh, we brought him in. He's a special teams guy, very effective on special teams. Yeah, well, I've actually seen him playing uh, a lot during this practice. But uh, let's swiftly move on and talk about. Um, Baker, you know, over the few over the last couple of days, you know, um, I thought day before last a bit sluggish, the offense a bit sluggish, but yesterday I saw a real massive link up with Hooper, and it almost shows you the difference between Njuku and Hooper in the quality of catching because the ball just seems to sit stick to his gloves a bit like Higgins would, or you know, the, the chemistry straight away there. The ironic part is, is Austin Hooper, his first couple of years in Atlanta, had some issues with the dropsies. So it's oh, kind of wild. Say. It's kind of wild that, you know, he now has. But I know, I mean, you look at his stats last year, Matt Ryan would look for him almost any time possible in the red zone. Because like you said, it's just right in there. So that's that's a good part. And you just hope that, you know, the tight end room, we, we got to get some pr production out of that. You know, that room, we just have to get some production. You've got Harrison Bryant. You've got David Njoku. You've got Austin Hooper. Like, we just, we got to turn that up. I've got to say, um, I can see um, Bright, uh, Harris Brighton being second TE and Njoku just dropping down because uh, he looked good yesterday. A lot of catches. He, I mean, this is a guy with a lot of athleticism. If you remember right, when Andrew Berry talked about it after the draft, this was a guy they did not expect to be on the board. Also, if you remember, the team that was buzzing right behind the Browns that wanted to get their hands on Harrison Bryant was the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So that's an addition by subtraction in the sense that he's with us and not with them. Cause I think you can see the raw athleticism this guy has, you know, for all the Ohio mm-hmm. state fans out there, when we played FAU, he was the only guy on that team that had NFL potential and he did a pretty damn good job against the Buckeye defense. Now that year, a lot of people had success against some of that passing uh, defense, but at the end of the day, you're still going into the horseshoe. The pressure wasn't too much for him. And he had a, you know, had a great game. And I believe he had a couple catches on Denzel Ward, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it, no, I'm sorry. It was, um, who was the damn Ohio State cornerback that just got drafted? I don't know why I'm, uh, well, Jeffrey Okuda, Jeffrey Okuda. Damn it. Sorry, guys. Mind barber there. Um, let's just stay on the top of the tight ends. And Joku, you know, uh, I'm guessing, what, 2016, 2017, we drafted him now? 2017. 2017. Yeah, and, you know, we've all been behind him. Um, if you read the text about him, um, you know, wants to play in Cleveland, you know, Cleveland is his future. But listening to him in that interview annoyed me. Just the fact that, okay, you may not want to talk about your agent, but be a little bit more upbeat about Cleveland, please. You know, you're a very observant man, Paul Brown. And <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you. We hear David Njoku. He is a very intelligent guy. He is almost, I think, too smart for his own good because, A, I don't think he listens to the questions. Like, I think – when he was on that media availability, he was about seven different places and he was not present in the moment. The other problem he has is he tries to talk philosophically to a group of beat reporters who don't ask very good questions. You have to understand with David Njoku, you cannot give him like this if or that. It's If you listen to a lot of the questions, they were, well, maybe, what do you think? Pin him down. You have to box him in because he doesn't want to answer those questions. He wants to say, you know, I'm just, I'm talking about in the moment. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about that. So either he consciously doesn't want to answer the question. He, I think he asked on several occasions to clarify even what the question was because A, he wasn't listening. B, he wasn't going to really answer any of them truthfully, especially regarding the agent and demanding a trade. But he also did an absolutely terrible job at communicating that. He could have been a lot more direct, met it head up, and just said, hey, this is what's going on. But I think Tony Grossi mentioned, he's like, no, I'm, I'm talking about today, Tony. I'm talking about today. So it's like, listen, David, focus on football. Like, people are asking you about your ability to catch the ball. And did you work on the offseason? Yes and yes. Yeah. Could um, the question have been I, better? I, yes. Could the answer have been a lot better? Yes. I love Mary Kay's question. What have you been doing to uh, help your uh, catch in over the off season? Which is a nice way of saying you drop too many bleeping balls. Um, And and that's been Brown's frustration with him. He makes the great catches and then he drops the third and six right over the middle or against the Bengals gets the ball ripped out of his hands going down for a first down, which I know that wasn't an interception. So save me on that one. At the end of the day, how do you let the the one light by uh, Nick Vigil spit the ball for you, David? You look like a like a Nigerian god. I mean, you've got muscles on muscles. How does this guy rip the ball away from you? Crazy. Um, but, yeah, um, let's move on to uh, the wide receiver room. I've got to say Landry and Odell are looking class at the moment. I know pads have just gone on, but they are looking uh, good, and uh, maybe that's the you – know, our corners are good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching our corners in, in training, but um, the – 
wide receivers are looking very good at the moment. Iron sharpens iron, they say, right? Yeah, and um, this um, is yeah. I think I'm going to throw this at you, Paul. You're a social, you're a social media guy. Did you see Josina Anderson's tweet yesterday? I didn't. I will quote her. Brown source on the phone just now. Old boy is a different cat. Healthy. Josina responded, who are you talking about? My source. OBJ is about to F some shit up this year. It ain't about to be nothing nice. He looks explosive. I'm sure he can't wait to face Marlon again in week one. Your initial thoughts after hearing that. Oh, awesome. It's it's great to hear, but we had last year Baker, you know, talking everything up. We've had it before. I simply want to see good training and results on a Sunday. Most importantly, stay healthy, get to the season. And then when you get to the season, I will say it may, it may, we may look back in a couple of years and say that it was a great thing. Last year, I think may have set the tone for getting the focus on this team faster than normal. We talked last year on numerous occasions about that window of opportunity to win now being very limited. And we're going into a year now where that, that window is near closed. You know, we have salary cap ramifications. We have COVID that's impacted salary cap. This team is only going to look like this with this core of players through the end of this year. And then next year, we're going to have to make some you know, tough decisions because it's time to start paying a lot more of the people. So a renewed sense of focus, a healthy Odell, a, a healthy Jarvis Landry could yield some very, very good offensive results for this football team. Let's look a bit of depth now in the wide receiver room. This is, this is ironic. I think... Hollywood Higgins may not make the roster. He'll make the roster. You think he will? Yeah. It's one of those ones where they brought him back. The, the, he'll make it by default. I'm not saying he might be long for the roster, but he's definitely, I think, going to make it coming out of camp. Because uh, Donovan, uh, Donovan's people and what's he called? Um, Jojo Allen. Natson. They're looking good at the moment. I think uh, there's a good chance. And obviously, Hodge will make it for uh, special teams. Uh, Ratley, I'm not sure about at the moment. Let's find out. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be some real tough things. And then we can have 16 people on the practice squad. So uh, yeah, uh, I think a lot of these players, if eligible, will make the practice squad. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of the position groups you feel pretty good about with depth. It also helps that you have two of probably the top 15 receivers, two or maybe top 15, 20 receivers in the league uh, in Jarvis and Odell. So that, those top two guys are going to dominate a majority of the snaps. We already know that. That battle for see? three through, say, six or seven, though, I mean, that is, that is definitely one of the, the main things that everybody in camp talks about. How do we sort out the Ratleys, the Peoples-Jones, the Natsons, the DJ Montgomerys, Kaderil Hodge, Richard Higgins? You know, really, the, I think the only two guys that you can pretty much scrap is not going to make it is Javon Moore and Jamarcus Bradley. But outside of that, I mean, you just have so much talent. I mean, and I forgot about Taiwan Taylor, you know, who's looked yep. really good this camp. That's yeah, going to be three. tough. I'm telling you, Paul, a we're going to have six solid receivers, and we're probably only going to see two or three of them on the field at one time. Yeah, it's great. And um, let's move on to the defense. The corner room, I know pending injuries is looking good. Um, safeties, 
I need to understand and watch more to see who's, you know, how they're lining up and free safeties, strong safeties, etc. But um, yeah, I think I, I think our defense is looking good. I think the nice part is is Andrew Barry has provided depth at all positions. You know, one of the things that Urban Meyer always used to talk about was nine units strong. That was his that was his motto. You know, he adopted it way back in the day and basically said, you know, every unit individually, the safeties, the corners, the linebackers, each unit needs to be strong. Andrew Barry has developed in the wide receiver, in the running back room, in the corner room, in the safety room. He's developing depth and strength of unit. And the benefit to that is when you have your number three, four, five wide receiver, your number three, four, or five cornerback pushing your top two guys, it only makes the team better. So I think that's what you're going to see in that safety and cornerback room is the quality of depth is going to drive Denzel to be better. It's going to drive Greedy to be better because if they're not, they're not going to play. It's that simple. There's no nepotism here. I don't care where you're drafted. Once you get in here, you got to show up. You got to put up, or you're going to be on the bench. Mm. Our defensive line, we've got a chap Thomas Stein at the moment. New I think season, that's more. It, all right. So you remember the year we had the Carl Nassib experiment, where it seemed like he played yes. every snap and then we cut him. Yeah. Do you think they're just giving Chad Thomas the platform? Because at the end of the day, Ov Garrett and Adrian Claiborne are making. Right. Those there's three of your defensive ends right there. I don't think there's many people that are going to argue on that one. Right. Chad so Thomas now, was a freak of nature. Right. That's why we hired him. Well, he was a third round pick, but he was also a John Dorsey third round pick. And I know we talk yeah. like, hey, that doesn't mean anything. But at the end of the day, if they keep four defensive ends, you're talking about Chad Thomas, Porter Gustin and Robert McRae fighting for that fourth spot. Because your, your top three are locked up. Garrett, Vernon, and um, what's his, I just said his name, Adrian Claiborne. Those are three. So if you keep four, you're only getting one of those guys. So the battle really comes down to, can Chad Thomas beat out Port Augustine? I'm seeing a lot of Port Augustine on the screen time at the moment. At the end of the day, I think they know what they have in the other three guys. So now it's just going to be let the other guys battle it out. Who's going to earn that position? Because if you keep four of those guys, you know, how many of the D tackles are you going to keep? If you, you know, with us losing Andrew Billings, you know, it comes down to now you have Sheldon and Larry, Jordan Elliott. So there's three. So do you then keep a fourth guy? Because now you got what Daniel Ukale and Elianku. So those guys will be battling for that fourth spot, eight D linemen. Sounds all right. Yeah. Well, we've talked about the linebacker room. The one position room we haven't talked about is obviously. Hunt, and I thought he looked absolutely electrifying yesterday in training. Yeah, he did. He really did. But, I mean, that shouldn't surprise anyone. This guy led the NFL in rushing. He torched the Browns in Cleveland against us. I mean, we know what the guy is capable of. With, with Kareem Hunt, it's can he keep everything between the ears in line? I don't think when he, he – was... Go ahead. When he was at the Chiefs, was he just taking first, second, third downs? Or he was, was he... Yeah, he was in every down back. Yeah. yeah, hence how he led the league in rushing. I don't know if you remember this. So his rookie year, his first game against the Patriots, really early in the game, he fumbled. And they didn't take him out. They kind of rode with him. And he just came back and had a monster game. I think he housed a screen pass 60-odd yards in that game. So he really made up for it. And it kind of just redefined it. Everybody was like, oh, no, here we go. And then, boom, he came out of the gates like a bat out of hell. 
All right, well, look, um, I'm excited about how this training practice is going. The thing I'm looking for the most is no injuries. And, um, yeah, I'm really hoping that the, uh, the Cleveland Browns can have a nice, strong start to the season. Yeah, the other one I'm watching is that right guard position. I'm curious to see how that kind of plays itself out. We've been kind of you running a lot of guys. Job? I think it's I think it's in his name right now. But, hey, again, like we said, when you're second and third guys on the depth chart are pushing your top guys, I mean, they didn't bring in Michael Dunn to just sit around and do nothing. You know, and at the end of the day, does Chris Hubbard maybe come inside for a hot second? You know, is there anybody else – who I know that it was at least beneficial for them that three guards opted out because I believe Drew Forbes, Kobe Gossett, and Malcolm Pridgen all opted out. So those the, the depth of the guard position became very thin very fast. So it gives a guy yeah. like Teller the opportunity to rise up. So, yeah, we only have three guards currently on the roster with Betonio, Dunn, and Teller. So I don't know if Hubbard would move inside or they're definitely going to be out there looking for somebody else. I wonder what happened with um, Ronald Leary. I know that was one that they were talking to him about bringing him in. So that may be something to keep an eye on as camp goes on. Yeah. All right, great. Well, look, Ian, it's great catching up. Uh, and I can't wait to watch more evening Browns uh, uh, practicing. Yeah, and, and shout out to Josh Cribbs and Nathan Zagura for, you know, doing everything they're doing with the fans. You know, those guys have just been great ambassadors to the team, you know, bringing us the coverage, you know, during this unique and crazy time. So shout out to those guys. Thank you so much for what you do and keep it up. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, guys, keep listening to the podcast. Ian, where can uh, you find the details? You can find me at Ian19 on Twitter or actually I'll be in Cleveland this weekend, Paul. So I'll be back in the, uh, the motherland. So spreading the good word go, of the Paul Brown podcast. Will you be podcast. going past Bria? Uh, I might be, actually. So, um, go on, let's see what you can get. See if you can get a uh, sneak uh, photo of uh, – uh, they said that someone sneaked in, so uh, let's see what you can do in. I'll talk, I'll talk to uh, – to, um, Oh, uh, JW. JW Johnson. I'll talk to him about adding in some needlepoint bipolar ionization system to the Browns locker room for COVID relief. That's where all my brain's been the last six months. Air purification. Drop off a bottle of, is it Shez Brown or whatever he drinks? And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll bring a Costa Brown bottle down for him. That's it. Costa Brown. That's it. Yeah. 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 No, All I'll right. be back. My cousin Colin put together a nice little golf tournament. So I'm going out there playing some golf with him. All right. Excellent. All right. And will you take care? And I'll catch up with you soon. Yes, absolutely. Paul, let's talk soon. And most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.